Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table because uh, this is the place where we talk about entrepreneurship and solopreneurship and and just doing cool things with your career. Uh, We're approaching 400 episodes. I don't know how many uh, you have listened to. I doubt anybody has listened to all. God, it must be like 389 uh, so far. However, if this is your first time joining us, thank you so much. I think today's episode is going to be great. It's the first time that I can remember now, I could be wrong. I've, I've, I've been married 26 years. I'm, I'm wrong a lot. But uh, I do tell you that this is the first time I think that I have interviewed an Olympic medalist. Now, he is Canadian, but that's cool because that means he's really nice. And he is a bronze medalist in the London Olympics in 2012 in swimming. And I want to welcome... Uh, Brent Hayden to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. He also has a really cool company called Astra Athletica that we're going to hear all about. We're going to hear about how you go from being an Olympiad three times, in fact, to being an entrepreneur. So, Brent, welcome to the show. Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm glad you're here. So, Brent, I don't read big bios and everything else because, you know, PR people put those out and it's not like two guys sitting having a beer in a bar. So, who is Brent Hayden and, and what do you do? Um, well, if, if it was going to be like a, you know, a press release, it would probably say Olympic bronze medalist, three-time Olympian. Um, in 2007, I was the world champion. Uh, in 2010, I was actually the double Commonwealth Games medalist. So Commonwealths are all the countries that um, are still sort of involved with the, uh, the British monarchy or have been part of the British monarchy, um, you know, United States uh, excluded. excluded. Well, we, yeah, it's everybody who puts the queen on their money. Basically, yeah. If the Queen's on your coin, uh, you're, you're pretty much still, or you're going to be competing at the Commonwealths. Um, I've held two world records. Uh, I still hold six Canadian records. Um, but, you know, like I've failed swimming lessons, and I think that's just something that uh, um, that's really cool about me is that I was not one of those guys that were actually born gifted uh, for sport. And, uh, you know, I really feel like I had to uh, invent myself, uh, if you will. I did read on your Wikipedia page that in second grade, the teacher asked, what do you want to do when you grow up? And you said, I want to get a gold medal for swimming. Uh, yeah, it was, um, I, well, I didn't say gold medal. Um, okay. <laughs> maybe I should have though. Maybe I should have. <laughs> I, I did say I wanted to swim in the Olympics and build robots. And my teacher looks at me and she goes, well, you can only pick one. So I'm like, okay, well, I want to swim in the Olympics. So wow. I did that. I've never built a robot, but you know, yeah, my, but, I'm still alive. I still got time. But what a short-sighted teacher. You can only pick one. Clearly she did not envision the world of today where people change careers like five or six times throughout their life. You, you, you could have swum in the Olympics and built robots. Yeah, maybe. But I, I think, I think too, though, it's, it is good to still be kind of, um, you know, um, get really focused in on something because if you do try to focus on too many things, um, you know, you can, you can kind of get lost. Like, and for me, I'm a very, uh, singular focus, um, kind of individual, which is why I couldn't do my schooling and swimming at the same time. I could be really good at one or the other, but, um, but that's just me. Other people can totally do it. So I, you know, I've interviewed other athletes on the show, and and one of the things I find that's interesting is what it takes to go into sort of high level athletics, which, for the record, was not my background. Um, 
I, I think tends to lend itself to entrepreneurship pretty well. Do you see some parallels in that? No, absolutely. I think, um, you know, what I learned from sport was that you, whenever you face a challenge, it's just an opportunity to learn. Um, because if, if things are going easy, there's nothing, there's nothing to learn there. So whenever, uh, you know, I'd have a bad week of training or, or a bad competition, you know, always had to sort of regroup, re-strategize, uh, get together with the team, which would, you know, be my coach or support staff, um, and sort of, uh, you know, try to problem solve and, uh, you know, in entrepreneurship, um, I, I've had to go through, or my wife and I, we've had to go through a lot of that where we've had to, um, you know, come together and re-strategize and, uh, you know, and figure out a way to to move forward. So tell us a little bit about Astra Athletica. What's the company? Yeah. So we're, we're an activewear company. Um, our big um, mission, though, is that we do fuel uh, Olympic dreams. So customers, whenever they come into our store, they actually have a chance to choose a Canadian uh, Olympian, Paralympian, or aspiring Olympian. We have nine athletes that we work with. They can actually choose the athlete that they actually want to uh, donate a portion of their order to. So uh, we also give the customer a 10% off for doing that. Uh, we think it's a really great incentive and everybody should feel rewarded when they're doing um, you know something good. Um, so customer gets 10% off and then we donate 10% of the order to, uh, to, the, um, to the Olympian. So what do you think led you to entrepreneurship after you finished, after you, after you hung up your Speedo? Uh, after, after I was done, um, I was doing a lot of motivational speaking. And the one thing that sort of um, made, made me feel a little uh, sad was that my message was only getting across when I was up on stage speaking, right? You know, people would remember, they might, um, you know, word of mouth might, might get out there, but I really wanted to create something that could really get the message just out there and people could take it with them uh, every single day. So I started creating a brand, um, you know, with powerful imagery coming up with a name and um, it was really just exploring um, just that sort of area of my brain because we were actually living in Egypt at the time for just a few months. My wife is a singer, so she was doing this uh, media tour um, over there. She has a lot of fans in Egypt. And I had a lot of spare time. So in my spare time, I would just kind of start creating a sort of fictitious clothing brand that would have this, um, you know, this powerful messaging in it. And uh, one thing just kind of led to another. And uh, next thing you know, we're, uh, we're touring factories, um, you know, learning about fabric, uh, like textile science. Um, and next, you know, just kind of you know, ball just kind of kept rolling and we just kind of eventually got to the point where, wait, we're actually trying to launch a clothing company right now, an activewear company. And, but I knew from the beginning that if I was going to be doing anything after the Olympics, it had to be something that was going to give back. So we, we, we learned or we figured out very quickly how we were going to use the clothing line as a means to help other athletes. Nice. So I don't know if you know anything about me. So I actually make my living as a professional speaker. So that's that's what I do. And I run into a lot of people in my line of work who are former athletes. Uh, do you still do that? Uh, not too much. Um, like every now and then, I'll I'll get a request to to come in and um, you know do corporate gigs. I I do. However, I do do a lot with the BC Sports Hall of Fame. Um, they have a program called the Hero in You program where we go around to. Um, a lot of elementary schools, um, you know, and, and some secondary schools or, you know, groups of kids will come into the hall itself. And uh, I like to get involved with that and uh, speaking to youth and trying to inspire them to become somebody who is going to do something else that's, that's inspiring. 
Um, that's important to me because I remember being a kid in kindergarten and we had a blind discus thrower come into our school and she showed us video of her um, breaking the world record for her disability class. And I still remember that, uh, that presentation incredibly well. And I just remembered that that was probably the first time I was ever inspired to do something in sport and to become an Olympian. So I sort of feel that if you've been inspired and you've done something inspiring, now you it's your turn to kind of give back and try to make sure that other ones are getting the same opportunities to get inspired as well. So uh, one of the guys who inspired me to become a professional speaker about 10 years ago was a guy named Vince Ponsetti, and he's actually a Canadian Olympian. And so uh, there's, there's that. That's sort of one of the reasons that I, I was like, I want to do what he does. So Oh, yeah, right on. So uh, anyway, what do you love now that you've been doing this and you've been created this this lifestyle uh, or this clothing line? What do you love about the life of an entrepreneur? Um, I love that I'm accountable for, for ourselves still. Um, that's one thing that was really great about um, being in swimming, which is a, a very individual sport. Um, you know, you're at the part that, you know, it, you do have to train with a team and you have a coach and you're really not doing it by yourself. But when you're up on the blocks, um, you know, you're, you're up there by yourself. Um, so everything that happens between the two walls and between the two lane ropes is really, uh, you're 100% accountable for that. So I think with uh, entrepreneurship, I still sort of feel that, that uh, every decision I, I do, I am 100% uh, accountable for. And uh, that's just sort of the environment that I tend to thrive in. Uh, when I was um, involved in team sports, say like, you know, baseball and soccer, uh, I was very focused on what could I do to not ruin it for the rest of the team? Uh, so, <laughs> right. So, so being an entrepreneur, uh, being accountable, like that's, that's really just sort of my, um, that that's where I thrive. So your wife is part of the business also, or is she just do her singing career? What's uh, what's the relationship there? Yeah, no, she's, uh, she's very involved with the, with the business as well. She takes care of, uh, um, more of the, the tedious, uh, work that I hate doing. Although I know she wishes I did a little bit more of it, such as the accounting. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she's, um, uh, I would say she actually designed a lot of the, a lot of the apparel that we got for, for the women. Um, but yeah, I, there's no way we would have been able to do the business if, uh, if we didn't have each other to do it with. So what's it like working with your spouse? Some people love it. Some people don't. Oh, I love it. Um, you know, when we, when we did have jobs, um, you know, away from each other, um, you know, the best part of our day was, was coming home. And I know that sounds sappy to a lot of people, but we really are that, that couple that just want to spend every minute of every day together. So working on this business, um, it, it, it allows us to do that. And we really couldn't have it any other way. Like even when I go and do these speeches with the, with the BC sports hall, I'm already looking forward to coming back home and uh, working on the business with her and just spending time with her. Nice. So what advice do you have for somebody who, whatever their background is, they want to make that pivot and they want to start some sort of a business. They, they want to, to go down that entrepreneurial path. What would you, what would you tell them? You know, don't, uh, don't think about all the reasons why you can't do it. Um, you'll always be like, anybody will always be able to find reasons why you can't do something. You got to focus on the reasons why you can. And I think there's, uh, people get sometimes feeling too limited by, you know, what skills they have currently. And, you know, it's all about growth mindset. What you can't do today might doesn't necessarily mean what you can do tomorrow. So don't be afraid to learn new skills, you know, to do um, online courses or whatever it is you got to do to figure out exactly what it is you need to be able to do to do your business. Like I didn't know anything about, uh, about textiles um, going into this or, or uh, fabric design or, 
even, um, you know, supply chain management. Um, so, but I've had to learn um, all those things. And I mean, it, it definitely took some time and I'm, I'm still learning now we're doing, um, uh, sorry, social media uh, certification uh, right now. So there's, there really should be no limit as to who you can be in order to succeed. So what's the hardest part of this? I mean, obviously, you know, when, when, when you're training for something like the Olympics, I mean, you have a single focused goal. I mean, it's, you know, you're in the pool, you're swimming, you're training, you, you swim only a certain number of heats or, you know, distances. When you're starting a business like the one you have, there's a hundred moving parts. So what's the hardest part for you? I think the hardest part is just, um, you know, staying positive because there, there are a lot of days where you just feel like nothing is working. Right. But swimming and uh, sport was a lot like that as well, where you have a bad day or you have a bad week and you just start, you just start getting all these negative thoughts that start coming into your head about how like, Oh man, I'm not going to be ready for the Olympics. I'm not, I'm not feeling like I'm on track. And it's like that with business where, you know, we have delays because, you know, we may have gotten a sample from our manufacturer that wasn't hundred percent right. And you've been waiting like six weeks for it. And then it's just, you're just, you know, you just get so frustrated. It's like, Oh my God, like nothing's working. But, um, you realizing that it is a long-term uh, process and that delays and, uh, you know, uh, hurdles are completely normal and you got, you cannot lose sight of the big picture. Right. So every time you do face a hurdle, just remember that there's probably a reason why it happened now. So that way you can learn from it and then you can succeed and not have to, uh, you know, have to deal with that later on down the road. So do you think it helps the fact that you've been a world champion swimmer and that you've medaled in the Olympics? Do you think it helps you to face other types of challenges since you have the maybe, I don't know if it's a confidence boost, but you you know you have the fact that, oh yeah, I, I did that thing over there that such a small percentage do. Of course I can do this thing over here. Do you think that's an advantage to have had some, some huge wins in other things? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, when we started telling people that we're going to uh, launch our business or create our own uh, activewear company. You have no idea how many people, like even even good friends, um, you know, would say that. Oh, you know how hard that is, or you know, like your chances, like your chance of succeeding is not is not very good. Like there's too many other companies out there, or like so many things are were they were said about why we should be able to succeed and why it's so difficult. And I'm just thinking in the back of my mind, like you do know I have an Olympic medal, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, and your wife got a recording contract. So it's like, you know, come on, yeah. how hard how hard can a t-shirt company be? Or like, I'm sorry, if you're going to tell somebody that something is a little too hard, you are absolutely talking to the wrong person because my whole life people were telling me that go, even going to the Olympics was going to be too difficult, that those athletes are too good and I'm not talented enough. And then here I am, you know, three-time Olympian and, and I did get to stand on that podium. So, Well, like, and, and that's the interesting thing. So I for years dreamed of being able to go make my living as a, as a speaker. And I don't have an Olympic medal. It, it certainly helps in my world if you have what I call a box checker. And I'm by no means belittling anyone out there who has been to the Olympics or, you know, has done something on that level. But it's it's easier to go get hired to be a speaker if you have a New York Times bestseller, if you were employee number four at Southwest Airlines, if you have an Olympic medal, then if you're just some guy who's like, I want to go do that. And there were so many people who told me along the way, oh, you've got to go get famous for something else or, oh, you know, you're never going to be able to earn the, the level of income you make as the director of marketing, you know, for a, for a corporation. So therefore, you know, that's that's a bad idea. And now that I've been doing it for a decade, it cracks me up how many people 
not only said it to my face, but how many people apparently said it behind my back? I have friends who come up and go, God, we didn't think you would make it. And it's like, wow, that is so nice of you to say. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I feel like, um, especially those that are closest to us, they, they're not saying it because they, they don't want us to succeed. No, they that's just, right. They, they, they love, they love you. They don't want to see you hurt. Exactly. Right. Or it's just, they just don't feel, or they always feel like the ones that succeed are the people that they don't actually know. Like the ones that get to Hollywood or, or whatever. I mean, like, um, you know, like Carly Rae Jepsen, um, went to my high school. Right. And I don't think anybody would look at her walking down the hall and be like, oh, yeah, she's going to be like hugely like like world famous one day. And yet <laughs> here she is like on the world stage. Right. It's, well, like, it's, it's crazy. Well, and it, it's interesting because I, I, I can people who listen to the show hear me say it all the time. So I'm a little bit older than you. I started a deal when I when I turned 50 in my own head that I was going to make age 50 to 75 the best years of my life. Now, the part of that that's difficult is I've had a pretty good life. You know, I've, I've been very fortunate in things that have, have worked out for me. I mean, I've had my share of, of, of a shitstorm as well, but I've had some good stuff. And, you know, when I say I'm going to make this the best years of my life, people are like, well, what does that mean? And my answer is, is I'm going to start saying yes to things that used to scare me or things I would talk myself out of. So it's little things like I jumped off the uh, the sky jump at the Stratosphere in Las Vegas, which is a 108-story outside oh, jump. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm. Kind I don't. Of, I don't think I could do that. But hey, you never know. You know what, Brent? I believe in you. I actually think you could do this. It, it's. Uh, <laughs> I think it, my it, wife would kill me if she saw me doing that. Well, if the, if the fall didn't kill me, she would. I actually didn't tell my wife and kids I was doing it. I sent them a picture afterwards, and they were like, <laughs> "Oh, thank God you didn't tell us that." But uh, for you, they'd actually they have like a plaque of people who've done it. Like my name doesn't go on a plaque, but they'd probably put, you know, oh, Olympic medalist. They have a plaque of famous people who've done it in the in in the thing. And I'm like, well, those people did it. I actually looked it up online. They have like eight of these sky jumps around the world. No one has ever died. And I figured, well, today's oh. not going to be the first. So yeah. you know, there have been some broken ankles, but I figured, yeah, you can recover from that. But I, I did that. I, uh, I I did a TEDx talk with like a month's notice because someone had backed out, I think, and they came. I had applied, and they came to me and said, oh, you're in. It's like that. That's so funny because you told everyone else they were in three months ago. Uh, but I did it with like a month's notice. I did uh, uh, what else? Oh, I started doing outdoorsy stuff. I'm kind of a city guy. Like if I travel, I go to Vancouver or New York or something like that. And uh, I started going to the Grand Canyon and, and uh, Yosemite, which, by the way, if you've never been to Yosemite, is the most awesome place on earth. And uh, then I started doing stand-up comedy. And my friends are like, why are you doing this? I'm always posting pictures, like how many times I've done open mic night. And people, some of them roll their eyes like whatever. And others are like, dude, uh, you're like a baller. What's the deal with that? And I'm like, it scares the hell out of me. And I've given almost 800 professional speeches, but five minutes of open mic night is so much harder. It's so unforgiving that I'm just, I'm just doing stuff. And there's all kinds of people who tell me why I shouldn't do it. And that just makes me want to do it more. Yeah, no, absolutely. That is, yeah, I totally get you on that. But I wasn't that way when I was young. And I often think, God, what if I had been this way when I was 20? What, what would life look like today? So I'm trying to to make up for lost time and just saying yes to all this type of stuff. Yeah, well, we're kind of um, like right now, like we're in such a tight spot, right? Because like we, my wife and I are the only two um, employees in our company uh, at the moment. So we are working seven days a week until, gosh, who knows what hours uh, of the night, but I know like we're, we're, we're doing that now. We're laying the groundwork now so that in the future, you know, we can start saying yes to, to everything. Yeah. Do you have kids yet? Not yet. We got a fur baby. 
<laughs> yeah, that's not the same thing, but thanks. No, we have a lot of nieces and nephews. We call them our rentals. <laughs> oh, see, that's perfect because you can give them back. That's awesome. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I, I talk to a lot of people who have had success in business and, and your business is still young, but you've had success on the Olympic stage. So it's really the same thing. There's a lot of people who start an activity, whether it's starting a company or, or, or going after a dream of, of you know, a sports you know, success. And people go, oh my gosh, they've got so much potential. And then they wash out. And then there's other people who someone might look at and it's like you said, they said to you is, oh, you know, there's so many people who are, you know, just more naturally gifted, you know, oh, and then you're on the big stage. What do you think it is that helps people get across that gap that exists for so many people between potential and results? See, I feel like for, especially in sport, um, you get people that seem to be born with talent. They just kind of have a natural gift for it. Um, they never really had to work for their talent. So I feel like that's one of the reasons why we don't get to see them actually excelling, um, you know, into adulthood, like into professional sports where you get all these other uh, athletes who they'll tell you they were not good athletes when they were kids. Like they had to work their butt off in order to, to, to get there. So there's more, um, there's more appreciation for the value of hard work, I think. And so I feel like a lot of the times, that's really, really where it comes down to where if you're actually born with talent, um, you never really learned the value of the hard work. And so you're, you kind of float along and you're used to winning all the time. And then suddenly one kid, you know, beats you and it just actually crushes your world. Right. And then you just, a lot of times you'll just see, they'll just quit the sport. Um, a lot of swimmers I, I know in Canada, um, you know, if they had a, you know, an, a Canadian record at the age of, say, 13, you know, an, um, you know, a, a junior uh, Canadian record or an age group record, I think we call it. Um, those records never translate into senior records. And a lot of the time you don't even see them ever getting onto the senior national team. And so I think that's where a lot of that uh, comes from. Hmm. In, 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 interesting. I know that, you know, it's kind of like people who go to these elite colleges, you know, only the top 5% of their high school gets into, you know, these elite colleges and they look around. My, my daughter goes to uh, Carnegie Mellon and her first day, her first class is a freshman year. The uh, teacher, the, the professor said, I assume all of you were in the top five or 10% of your high school class. And they all kind of looked around nodding their heads like, oh yeah, you bet. And he goes, great. There's 200 people in this classroom. You know, statistically only 10%, only 10 of you can be in the top 5%. So get used to it because that's what derails people is they've spent their whole life being in the top 5%. And then they come into a room where everybody's the top 5% and the numbers are going to shuffle. And the, the best lesson for her was that her secret weapon isn't that she's the smartest kid. It's that she has a great work ethic. And so it's like, you know, she, she, she always says, she goes, I might be the dumbest person here, but I work hard. And you know, that's, that's the, the trick. So I think you're absolutely right. I think that work ethic and that willingness to put your nose to the grindstone is what separates people. Like I've, I've had parents come up to me before and actually ask me to tell their kid that, that they're number one, that they're the best kid on the team. Right. Cause like, like maybe they're having like a uh, self-esteem issues or something like that. And I'm just like, I, I'm sorry. Like I can't say that. Right. Cause that's, that's a self um, or that's a, that's a false sense of accomplishment. Yeah. Right. Like, no, I'm just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. And I think a lot of uh, parents that do that uh, for their kids. They want to tell them, like, oh yeah, my kid's number one and all that. I'm like, no, you're, you're actually like ruining 
um, the opportunity that that um, kid actually has to to learn to to grow into becoming an actual like amazing person. Because if they grow their whole life believing they're amazing without actually doing anything, then they're never going to do anything. And that's something else that you did after swimming is is you you coached swimming. Is that correct? Yeah, my wife and I, we started a, uh, um, a swim camp program. So we uh, will actually travel across Canada um, to small clubs and uh, work with their swimmers, uh, usually over just uh, just a weekend. Mm-hmm. And actually in September, we're going to be going to Goose Bay in Labrador, um, tiny, tiny town. We went last year and they wanted us to come back. So really excited to be going there. And, you know, if you look on the map, Labrador is way on the other side. Like it's further than traveling from California to New York. Okay, so so this place is uh, is far. So we're really excited that we get to go to these small uh, communities and actually work with swimmers that otherwise wouldn't have a chance to uh, to work with, uh, with with an Olympian. So, um, but my wife actually she she used to swim as well, and she's worked at one of the top uh, private swim schools in North America. So when we take uh, when we do these programs, what's really unique about it is that you know yeah you get my my kind of high end super performance um, side of it, but then you also get her. Um, like teaching her learn to swim um, side of it as well. So we're kind of coming at it from two totally different um, sides. Um, so we get these swimmers that actually they'll completely change their strokes in literally just like one weekend and they're just swimming so much better. It's so cool to watch. Mm, that's awesome. Hey, Brent, I've got a couple more questions for you before I can let you go. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Hey, Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Brent Hayden. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this podcast. So Brent, I call the show cool things entrepreneurs do. What's the coolest thing you're doing with your business right now? Uh, I would say it's supporting these Olympic athletes or these aspiring Olympians and and Paralympians. Um, You know, because what's really important to me is that when I was a young athlete, um, you know, when I started getting to um, starting to realize my potential and having to fly across Canada, um, you know, my parents were already spending over $900 a week in gas because it was a 45 kilometer drive to and from practice twice a day. Right. So back and forth. So that's four drives a day. Um, and then these flights and, um, you know, training camps, it just got really expensive that uh, I was lucky enough that I got some funding from uh, the Victor Davis Memorial Fund. Uh, had a small company uh, throw me fifteen hundred dollars. Um, like if if I didn't receive that, I probably would not have been able to continue on because my family just would not have been able to to support my journey anymore. So I think that's the coolest thing we're doing is that we're creating activewear. One, it's super high quality. It feels great. Um, it's super stylish. So. You can look good whether you're at the gym, grabbing coffee, going out. Um, like my wife throws her high heels on with uh, with her Victoria leggings. Um, but then on the other side, like every time somebody purchases, they have a chance to actually uh, directly support an Olympic athlete by putting uh, money directly into their pocket to make sure that they're not, you know, uh, foregoing putting gas in their car to get to training or, you know, 
trying to get to the Olympics on, you know, a uh, craft dinner or mac- you know, macaroni and cheese, something like that. Like they're actually like feeling themselves because I had so many uh, teammates uh, at, you know, with my team here in Vancouver between training sessions, they're off getting uh, work on a job and they're coming back to training and they're dead tired. And it's like, you guys are not going to get an Olympic medal. If you're off working between your training sessions, like you're up at five in the morning and then you're back again at one, right? Like it, it's, it's really tough. So how do you guys go about selecting? You said you work with nine. How do you, how do you pick who the Olympics are, the, the Olympians are that you're going to, that you're going to support? Yeah. So we, we actually partnered with the Pacific sport Fraser Valley and the Canadian sport Institute uh, Pacific. So they are two um, multi-sport um, organizations that oversee um, athletes at the provincial national and international levels, um, you know, providing uh, programs such as, um, you know, um, personal trainers, uh, nutritionists, um, other uh, sports sciences. Uh, so we partnered with them and we sent out a blast uh, to all their athletes to see who wanted to, to join our program. And we asked the athletes to all um, include um, a story about uh, a challenge that they had to overcome. And so we didn't look at who had the, you know, the biggest Instagram follower or who had the best, um, you know, um, bios. We, we really looked at their stories to see, um, you know, who had the most um, inspiring story and who, who really uh, could, like needs the help the most. So that's how we, we uh, selected them. I think that, I think that's awesome. And I think that's a great way to give back. I'm a real big believer that if you find a cause that's close to your heart and obviously being someone who trained, you know, at the Olympic level and, and again, not coming from a family who could just write the big checks and get you there, you know, how important that is. It's kind of like our, our charitable cause is what we call the Kate Singer endowment for cranial facial surgery and research. And my daughter was born with uh, what they call a, a cranial facial abnormality. It was uh, the bones in her skull were fused together before she was born and they misdiagnosed it. And so as she grew, uh, her head wasn't growing right. And there, you know, was some pressure going on, some different things. And if you looked at her, it wasn't like, oh, what's the matter with that kid? But there was just something. And we kept asking about it and asking about it. And her head was, it just wasn't, it wasn't shaped like a cantaloupe. It was shaped a little bit more like a watermelon. And finally, at four months old, they they did a CAT scan and they diagnosed that her head was going to just continue to have this this abnormality unless they removed the cap of her skull. So this was the scariest thing you know, we've sort of ever done uh, was having to, you know, put her through surgery where they removed the top of her skull. And now we give a little bit, every time I speak, we give a little bit of money to uh, a fund at the hospital where she was operated on, Rady Children's Hospital in San Diego, uh, and the doctors who do research for cranial facial issues there, and then a similar fund in the town we live in, the the Dell Children's Medical Center in Austin that didn't exist when Kate was born. And uh, so we help support research for cranial facial issues, and it's not the most common of birth defects, but it's uh, it affects something like one in 6,000, one in 10,000 kids at some, some different level. But the reason we've been able to do this now for over 12 years, I think, 13 years, is that it's a cause that's near and dear to our heart. So I love the fact that you're doing something that is something that relates right back to your own history. I think that's that's where people look back in 30 years and say, oh my God, look what you did. Because I call it the art of giving small. You don't have to give a lot of money. You give little little bits, bits and it, it compounds. So it's compounded generosity over time. And I think that you know someday you're going to look back at the impact you've had on, on sport in, in Canada and people are going to be like, how did you do that, Brent? And it's just because yeah. it was something you cared about. Well, we, we definitely hope that, uh, that we don't stop at just these nine athletes. Uh, you know, we want, we want to be able to grow to be able to support as many athletes as we can, but we also want to be able to start supporting um, other programs um, in the future as well. 
you know, whether it's right to play or, or kids sport or, you know, anything that gets, uh, you know, kids active and, uh, and gives them opportunities that they otherwise would never have, have had because I mean, yeah, sport is sport, but you also know that a lot of people, um, you know, they become who they are as, you know, whether they're, um, you know, citizens or moms and dads or, you know, uh, they become like their essence can sort of um, be sort of um, grown because of, because of what the opportunities in sport gave them. So we want to make sure that people have those opportunities. Well, but what I admire is, is that you're starting at the earliest phases of your company. So many people think, Oh, well, we'll wait till we're rich. Then we'll figure this out. And by starting small, when, when you're young, it, your whole giving program will grow with the company. If this becomes, you know, a giant, you know, clothing, you know, operation, all of a sudden, you know, what seemed like a drop in the bucket is going to have an impact on, on hundreds of thousands of people. So I think, I think you're smart. I think what you're doing is awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Well, um, that, that was a big discussion that we had to have was, you know, we're, we, we're not big enough where we can just write big fat checks to, to these athletes. Right. So we really had to look at the way to how can we sustainably, um, you know, help these athletes. And so that's why we created the, the Astra 10 for 10 program, 10% off for, for actually doing it. And then 10%, uh, from the purchase going towards the athlete. Yeah. Well, we just give a couple of percentage points every time, every time I speak. And then we do a little fundraiser on Kate's birthday and the combination over, you know, a decade plus is $70,000. And it's like, that's actually real money to a charity. That is awesome. So, you know, so yeah. So, well, anyway, Hey, you know, I, I loved having you on the show. I thought this was awesome. I, I think what you're doing is amazing. Someday I want to look back when they say Brent Hayden, I'll be like, I interviewed him. He was on <laughs> things on to you. Oh, he's my buddy. I know him. Hey, uh, if somebody's trying to get a hold of you or they want to uh, buy something, I assume you sell online. How do people find Astra Athletica? Yeah, so you, they can find our online store at www.astraathletica. That's A-S-T-R-A Athletica. Um, they can also uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter and, and Facebook. Your, our username is Astra Athletica, one word. Or you can also follow me um, on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. It's the Brent Hayden. Brent Hayden was already taken. Brent Dot Hayden was already taken. So I, had, <laughs> I always got to add the the um, at the start of it. Or you can reach out to me on my website to brenthayden.com. Uh, also check out my photography. That's another thing that uh, that I like to do. It's my sort of side passion. Just had an art show. So I'm um, kind of exploring that side uh, as well. Awesome. Well, I think I think in the old days they would have referred to you as a renaissance man, someone who's doing so many different things. I think that's awesome. So Brent, thanks for being a guest here on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Tom. Hey, and thanks to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every single time. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. Uh, if you like the show, jump over to iTunes and leave a review. Uh, if you want to find out about more about me, you can find out everything at TomSinger.com. That's T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. If you want to join the group coaching program, if you feel you just need a little bit of support in reaching your potential, check out the Potential Mastermind Project, and that is at PotentialMastermind.com. Uh, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Brent. But in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you to go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.